You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When I did actually make it to Boston and I did cross that finish line, it was such a huge <laughs> magical experience, super emotional, super joyful, a huge sense of accomplishment because this has been a, a dream that I've been chasing for so long. So ooh, I'm even getting emotional now talking about it. But the whole experience was phenomenal. Welcome to Strides Forward, where we feature stories about women runners like Zara Hoffer of Vancouver, British Columbia, who is just giving us her take on, yes, how phenomenal the Boston Marathon was. She was one of eight women we followed to the 2021 edition of the race as part of our Roads to Boston series. And this is our final episode where we're going to hear how it all went down. In addition to hearing more from Zara, you'll hear from these strong, dedicated marathon runners. My name is Rochelle Solomon. Hello, my name is Nicole Pinto. My name is Amanda Waters. Let me introduce myself. I'm Yao, okay? My full name is Yao Pa Hoi Sangwan. Well, hi, my name is Jana Moss. My name is Patty Hung. And I am Cherie Louise Turner, your host and producer. I am also a 52-year-old runner, and I ran Boston 2021 as well. In this series, we have followed everyone's running journeys from our very first experiences in this sport all the way to the start line of the Boston Marathon. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes beginning with the trailer, I, of course, would love it if you did. You'll have a lot more context for what's going on. But if you'd prefer to start here, that's fine too. So yeah, let's get started. I'll tell you right up top, Boston was phenomenal. This is an episode of celebration because all of us runners made it to the finish and in some form or another had an experience akin to Zara's. We all felt the magic of the Boston Marathon. For Zara, her experience was fueled by the fact that she almost didn't make it to Boston. Just two weeks before the marathon, she had an emergency appendectomy, and she spent four days in the hospital. It was a very touch-and-go situation as to whether or not she'd be able to participate in the marathon. But in the end, her doctors gave her the green light, but any plans to push herself were off the table. It certainly wasn't what she'd hoped for, but Zara had a sense that participating in this event in any way she could would be worth it. And she was right, because Boston isn't just about performance goals or pushing your body to the limit. It's about a lot more. Which is why, for instance, Amanda Waters keeps recommitting to this race again and again. 2021 marks her 17th consecutive finish here. 
one of my biggest realizations around the Boston Marathon this year was just how much I missed the community that surrounds it. I have always known that one of the things that I love about the Boston Marathon is the community, but I I don't know that I had really been able to grasp just how much that community means to me. The community around the Boston Marathon. This is the foundation of what makes this race so special. And it starts with the fact that Boston, really at any time of the year, even in the winter, is a running city. Yao immediately recognized what a difference it is from her home city of Bangkok in Thailand. I love this city because everywhere I go, I see the runners. They run almost everywhere, along the streets, uh, along the riverside. I think this is perfect for runners. And even in the city, you know, in Bangkok, if we run in the city, it's quite risky because we have a lot of cars everywhere. The sidewalk was not in a good condition, but in Boston, it's just perfect. Yeah, so Boston is an excellent running city on any old day, which also means that as you get closer to race day, the enthusiasm and support become more and more noticeable everywhere. Jonna found it at a baseball game. My husband is a huge baseball fan. He played in college and in the minors. So when we realized that the Boston Red Sox would be in town for the playoffs, We were lucky enough to snatch up some tickets for the Sunday game. We figured the game started at 4 o'clock. It would be a good distraction for me so that I wasn't just thinking about the marathon that evening. And so our plan was to go to the game. Um, Figured it would probably be done around 7 o'clock. That would give us some time to grab some dinner, and then we could just go ahead and head back to the hotel. Well, that game ended up going into extra innings, a lot of extra innings, actually. It was 13 innings total. And at one point, I think it was around inning 12, um, there was a guy in front of us. He turned around and yelled, geez, I hope no one at this game was planning on running that race tomorrow. And I had on a Boston Marathon t-shirt, raised my hand and said, oh, that, that would be me. And then actually him and a bunch of people around us gave me high fives and everyone wished me good luck. Um, They thought it was pretty cool that I was running the next day. So I found it just really awesome how much pride the people of Boston have for their marathon. And and they really support all of the people that come in to run the race. Jonna wasn't the only one who took note of this. The support was apparent for first-time Boston runner Nicole Pinto, too as soon as she got off her flight from Los Angeles. From the moment I got off the plane and went to baggage claim and saw the teleprompter that said, welcome runners, it was just the reality set in. I'm here, I'm in Boston, you know, this is happening. What really stood out the most to me was just the community. 
there were runners everywhere and everyone was friendly and excited and I just think that this year it was even more exciting because it had been a couple years since the race had been run you know just you really felt like you were a part of it in Boston there's just something about this race that makes you feel a little superhuman I would say because it's Boston Because it's Boston. Because Boston is about a lot more than running from one point to another. We touch on this a lot. And the popularity, the historic cachet that this event holds, also means that what happens around the Boston Marathon has an impact on the greater running community. The Boston Athletic Association, or the BAA as it's called, the organization that puts on the marathon, takes the responsibility of their influence seriously and makes strides to improve and strengthen the running community. Runner Rochelle Solomon experienced firsthand how meaningful these efforts were to her during some of the events leading up to Marathon Monday. The Boston Marathon Association did an amazing job with inclusivity for all of its runners. There were two shakeout runs. One was led by black men run and black girls run. And during that shakeout run, the groups got to show visitors to Boston and marathon participants a historical perspective of Boston. Another shakeout run was on Sunday, led by Gail Hendel and the coaches of the Road to Wellness 5K, and they got the opportunity to show visitors to the Boston Marathon another perspective of Boston. It was just an amazingly inclusive event. Um, there's something to say when a race has people that look like you. I'm not always guaranteed to see a face of someone that looks like me in my professional life and in my personal life as I venture around and a person that likes to have different experiences. So it's always welcome when, when you can see that you're represented at an event. It is absolutely refreshing and really high time to see some meaningful change happening in the running community, especially around diversity. There needs to be more, but these steps are really good to see. Showing that all people are welcome and valued and making sure that everyone feels included in the running community makes it better for all of us. Running can serve as a great unifier and it's empowering. I come back to this thought a lot. It is a basic human motion that we can all share in together when we make the space for it. Yeah, so it is wonderful to see that space being made with some real intent. Back to the marathon. With all the shakeout runs done and the weekend behind us, the time had come. It was Marathon Monday. The first step that day is to get to Boston Common, a central area of the city where bus after bus lines up and then fills up to take runners out to the town of Hopkinton, where we find the start of the Boston Marathon. Uh, Getting off the bus in Hopkinton was surreal. Walking down, seeing the start line, 
it was just kind of unbelievable. Like, am I really about to run 26.2 miles right now? No doubt it was surreal. We are here. We're actually doing this. I know I felt it. With all the buildup and all the training and all the waiting and wondering if this marathon was even going to happen, there it was, the start line. I took a moment before I crossed over that line to really let it sink in. I'm going to take that step, and then I'm in it. I'm running Boston. For Nicole, there was a little more going on. The most exciting part was that I was running the marathon 19 weeks pregnant. It's my first child, and everything tied into one. My first Boston, my first baby. I, it was a dream come true. I pictured this moment knowing it could be a possibility one day, and the stars really did align to make this happen. Surprise and congratulations. Yeah, Nicole had some company through her race. And of course, this meant that she was way more focused on making sure she didn't stress herself too much than she was about throwing down some blazing performance. She was here to soak up the experience. Now, along with all of the excitement around the marathon actually happening after the long COVID hiatus, there was a lot of uncertainty. In the months leading up to Boston, many of us, myself included, wondered if the race was actually going to be able to happen. And pretty much everybody had not been able to race for over a year. So even if you had several months of solid training in your legs, it was just really tough to gauge how race-ready you were. And this was something that was definitely on Amanda's mind, especially because this was also her first race back since she'd become a mom for the very first time. Before the Boston Marathon, I didn't really know what to expect. And and then I think that um, that allowed me to relax a little bit in a way that I haven't always been able to relax for the Boston Marathon. I gave myself permission to enjoy the race a little bit differently than than I have in the past. Um, So we think that that actually led to some pretty amazing moments during the race. Amanda is a competitive runner. Like many of the people doing the Boston Marathon, pushing her abilities on race day and getting the best time possible is a primary goal. But this year, Boston was a bit different. Part of it was that uncertainty that crept into everybody's preparation. And part of it was just a deep thankfulness that we were really going to get to do this again. Like, it hadn't gone away forever. And we really, really appreciated that. And even in the midst of wanting to perform the very best we possibly could, it really felt like a day when people were also focused on making it the greatest marathon experience possible, whatever performance you were going to be able to pull off. So Amanda was happy to use a bit of that precious race time to attend to some very important family business. Just past the 5K mark at the Walgreens in Ashland, which is where I used to watch the Boston Marathon when I was a little kid. My family was there, my sister, my father, my aunt, and my cousin Jeff were all waiting to cheer us on. And the biggest and most exciting 
part was that this is where we were going to get to see our daughter, Dina. Um, we've been talking about sharing the Boston Marathon with her since she was born in January of 2020, and obviously uh, we didn't get to do that in, in April 2020 when we thought we were going to. So this was just a really amazing moment where we got to give our daughter a hug and a kiss while we were competing in the Boston Marathon. And we definitely took a few seconds to say hi to her. And I think she maybe was a little bit confused as to why mommy and daddy were just stopping by and giving her a kiss and then running on their way down the course. This was just a really special moment for me thinking about all the training that I had done with Adina in the stroller along these same roads and in the same area leading up to the Boston Marathon and then just thinking about how this was also the same spot where I used to watch the Boston Marathon and and really where I fell in love with running. Um, Just being able to have that moment to share with Adina was something that I'm always going to remember and the fact that I was able to do that with Michael as well made it really special. And from there, Amanda was off again, putting down the hammer and testing her legs on this course that is so familiar to her and always so challenging. Everyone's Boston journey is a story all its own. And while many people are focused primarily on performance, as mentioned, several of the runners in this group were here primarily for the experience for one reason or another. Zara was tending to her post-appendectomy recovery, and of course, Nicole was exploring the new experience of marathoning while pregnant. Miles 1 through 20, I kept a nice, easy pace. I felt good, I felt strong, you know, uphill, downhill. Um, I hydrated more than normal. I took in more fuel than normal just because, you know, it's not, it wasn't just me. I have another little mouth in there to feed. And, you know, I really was just listening to my body and making sure, you know, if something had been bothering me, I would address it immediately. There, there was no pushing through this race. It was 100% easy. Jana was treading cautiously, too, but in her case, it was because she was coming off a really painful shin injury. She'd spent most of her training time in the pool, which is not an ideal way to prepare for a marathon, and would leave anyone with doubts about whether or not they'd even be able to make it to the finish. Coming into this race, I was pretty nervous about how my body was going to hold up for 26.2 miles, but my hope was that the crowd support and the adrenaline would get me through. And I I kept telling myself and I kept telling my husband, you know, if I can just get to that mile 16 point and have have 10 miles left, then I, I think I'll be able to get through and I'll know that my legs are going to hold up. The power of crowd support and the adrenaline and other extra uplift you get on race day should never be underestimated. I call it race day magic, and it is definitely something to believe in. But of course, race day magic can only get you so far. Ideally, of course, you've also had the chance to prepare well. 
First-time Boston runner Rochelle had a solid training lead-up to the race, and that helped her figure out her own race day plan. I was intentional in not setting a marathon finishing time goal. Um, I knew I was a stronger runner with the training I had done for this current marathon. So when I found out I did, I set a new PR for my marathon running. I knocked off 14 minutes from my prior time. That's right. Rochelle ran 14 minutes faster than the first time she completed the marathon distance. And that was last year when she did the virtual Boston Marathon along the same course. Well done, Rochelle. For every marathon, there is a journey. But before the journey begins, there is a strategy. Rochelle trusted in her improved strength and didn't add the stress of aiming for a specific time goal. Nicole, Zara, and Jana were there to enjoy the experience while being mindful not to overexert themselves. Amanda had a more relaxed approach to previous Boston marathons, but she still maintained her competitive drive. And certainly part of her plan was making sure she qualified for Boston at Boston. That is, that she ran fast enough to get into next year's event. This was the goal that Yao and I also had, and I'm thrilled to say we all achieved it. And Yao actually ran her fastest marathon ever. I want to emphasize that this course is tough. It is not a place where people typically PR. Also, on the day, the weather got to be pretty hot and humid. So, yeah, she crushed it. And then there was runner Patty Hung, who had an agenda like no one else. She wanted to finish within the six-hour cutoff time so that she could keep her very, very long Boston Marathon streak alive. 2021 marked Patty's 35th consecutive Boston Marathon. Every time I think about that, it amazes me. Patty has shown up and completed this race every single year for over three decades. I mean, it's incredible. The record for any woman in the history of Boston is running 36 consecutive times. And of course, you already know, Patty finished this year's Boston, which means she'll be returning next year to match the record. Now, whatever your goals and however you approach the marathon, there are spots along the way that are very much anticipated and fondly remembered. Patty has kept coming back for so long because she was born and raised in Boston. Each year doubles as a family reunion, and she's developed some traditions over the years. When I passed the um, 13th mile mark, passing through Wellesley, I get ready to meet my family waiting for me to greet me and cheer me on. My cousins, Jackie and Joey and Nancy, and my sons, Eric and David, and my boyfriend, Don, and just uh, so many other people in the past years have always met me there to give me high fives and kisses and hugs. And I wait for that to happen because now I have 13 more difficult miles to go, and that gives me a lot of big boost. While Patty's love of getting to Wellesley is personal, for just about everybody else, there's a big, 
really loud reason to get excited about this halfway point, the Wellesley Scream Tunnel. Every year, without fail, students from Wellesley College, an all-woman school, make their voices heard. My favorite memories along the course, 100% has to be the Wellesley Scream Tunnel and the group of women just lining you know, foot after foot along the course, just screaming and encouraging, and the energy and excitement was just phenomenal. And that was definitely the highlight of, of the course for me. Zara isn't the only one in this group to mention this bold show of encouragement. I absolutely love it too, and it made an impression on Jana as well. My favorite moment from the race was hitting that scream tunnel. The screams, the cheers, it just sent my adrenaline through the roof. And that section of the race absolutely flew by. Next thing I knew, I had passed uh, the mile 13, 14, 15 markers. And it was at that moment that I was confident that I could finish this race. Uh, I actually had pulled my phone out of my flip belt and called my husband as I was running. He was sitting with a couple of buddies in downtown Boston and We ended up FaceTiming for just a couple minutes, and I remember being so happy in that phone. I'm going to do it. I'm going to finish. My leg feels great. So that was a pretty fun moment. That being said, uh, another distinct memory that I have is a few miles after that, around miles 17 and 18. Oh, we all have distinct memories around miles 17 and 18, because that's where you enter the notorious Newton Hills. This is the series of ups and downs that finish with the most famous of all marathon climbs, Heartbreak Hill. However ready you may think you are for this section, on the day, it can feel really defeating. I felt like I'd prepared well for these climbs, but for as many times as you run hills in training, you're likely never going to get a perfect simulation for race day when you're hitting those climbs after you've already run 18 miles. And on the day of the Boston Marathon this year, like I mentioned, the weather, it wasn't ideal. As the day went on, it got warmer and more humid. And that all caught up with me as I entered the hills. That was a deep rough patch. But on the flip side, the crowds get really big around the hills because it's a deep rough patch for a lot of people. That extra encouragement, I mean, spectators know that helps. For me personally, it was a huge bright spot because around the 19-mile mark, I knew I was going to see my running club, the Somerville Roadrunners, and I also knew that there were a number of friends that'd be cheering closer to the finish. And I will say that is a great upside to being a local runner. The sideline cheering is awesome, and that support is a total gift. It is a big part of race day magic. The way Amanda explained her experience through the hills sounded much the same. The climbs got to her too, but she dug deep and hung super tough. She and her husband Michael were running together at that point too, so his encouragement was really helpful to her. She also got an enormous dose of that hometown crowd support because, let's not forget, she grew up here, she has run this race now 17 times, and she's also a volunteer for the BAA and has been for years. So, yeah, a lot of people know Amanda and cheer her on. Coming back to those hills, though, this is all to say, more than one of us could identify with how Jonna felt. The Newton Hills are no joke. You know, 
pool running, I think, had kept my aerobic fitness up, uh, but it certainly did not keep my leg muscles as, as strong. And so those hills chewed me up and spit me out. By mile 21, my pace had really dropped and my entire lower body just ached. It, it wasn't in the shin where I had gotten injured. It was just everywhere in the legs. First-timer Yao also noticed that it's not just the famous Newton Hills with that big final climb of heartbreak that make this course really tough. You know, people said, okay, if you run in Boston, uh, that will be the point that is the peak of the race. It's called Heartbreak Hills. And I want to know how it's like, how high it is, or how tough it can be. So I, I just keep thinking while I run to, to face how it's going to be. But before Heartbreak Hills, I actually ran across so many hills, small or medium hills already. I think those kind of tough because, you know, our legs start, start to feel tired already. And then uh, at almost at the end of the race, you have to go uh, special high at Heartbreak Hills. So I think Heartbreak Hills is not that tough if you just run across Heartbreak Hills. But the thing that made you already tired is the small hills that you ran before. Many, many uncountable. I kept counting until I don't want to count anymore <laughs> because there are so many hills that I have to run across. True enough, this course undulates a lot before Newton, and heartbreak really isn't that tough on its own. But it certainly feels gargantuan by the time you get to it in the marathon. While the many hills of this course will definitely test your resolve, when they do spit you out on the other side of heartbreak, there's a lot to look forward to. The final miles are primarily downhill. And in this stretch, there is also one last classic landmark that looms large. It's absolutely my favorite, and it lights me up every single time I see it. It's a highlight for Patty, too. And then last, the mile, uh, the last mile to go, of course, I see the Sitco sign a couple of miles way far ahead. And then it gets closer and closer. And then when the one more mile is to go, we go under the Sitco sign. We run under the sign and it's huge. It's red and white and just this big, huge sign overhanging all the runners and greeting us to come into the finish line. So I, I always have tears in my eyes when I cross under it because I know that I will complete the marathon. I get emotional about the Sitco sign too. It is my favorite Boston landmark. And it marks the point on the course when you know that the final turns are just ahead. When runners turn right onto Hereford Street and then left onto Boylston, where the crowds are the largest and the loudest yet, and the end is literally in sight. It's a moment that shapes strong memories for many runners, as it did for Amanda, Zara, and Jana. And I think as soon as I turned onto Boylston Street and I could see the finish line, I think all this doubt that I had been carrying with me since giving birth to Adina was lifted. I think that the 
pandemic compounded a lot of that doubt. I wasn't sure if the Boston Marathon was actually going to happen and, and you know, what kind of training do you put into it. So I think that just being able to finish and seeing teammates and friends and family all along the way and even being able to run it with my husband for so much of it, it just, it was a really, really special moment and all that doubt just drifted away and it was just such a, a beautiful celebration. Yeah, I'm still smiling about it. Obviously the main highlight was, you know, rounding the corner to Boylston Street and, and just running through that last stretch to the finish line and that was just magical and the amount of people just cheering and was such an incredible experience. Taking that left onto Boylston at the end of the marathon, it absolutely sends chills down your spine. Um, I probably would have cried, but I think I was too dehydrated at that moment to even make tears. But truly, seeing that finish line and those crowds is something I will never forget. Yeah, that final stretch, it's just a really special high. There's relief and joy and elation and gratitude and total exhaustion. It's a huge mix of big feelings that have been building really for months. This is a stretch that's just long enough for you to soak in the fact that you are taking your final strides in a very, very long journey. You're just steps away from achieving a huge goal. And then it all culminates in one final very last step. Just the feeling as I cross the finish line. Um, at the end of the finish line were friends, family, um, and my friend slash coach, Gail Henville, was there to cheer me on. She was there with her husband, and it was just amazing just having such a community there to support you as you accomplish a goal was amazing. So it just even though I claimed the Caribbean because I was born in the U.S. Virgin Islands, it really echoed the sentiment that I have a strong community in Boston and Boston is home. Wherever you come from and however long you stay, when you do the Boston Marathon, you are part of a community. That community spans the world, but it does remain abundantly strong here in the Boston area all of the time. The crowds may go home and the roads revert back to being regular old roads again, but reminders remain. That sitgo sign shines bright every single day of the year, and the finish line is permanently painted on the road on Boylston Street right in front of the Boston Public Library. The BAA continues to do outreach and support runners all year round to help keep the running community strong. And soon enough, it's time to ramp the training back up and start the cycle all over again. With the next Boston Marathon happening in April of 2022, it's a really short turnaround for those of us who will take on this challenge once again. And it's a whole new opportunity to gather and create one of the best sporting events in the world. A huge congratulations to all the runners from this series. 
to Jana and Zara who faced daunting setbacks and rallied to enjoy the experience and finish smiling and healthy. To Nicole who surprised everyone by revealing she was running for two and now has a great story to share with her first child about how they ran the Boston Marathon before they even met the world. To Rochelle, who experienced her first in-person marathon this year and became a stronger runner in the process, running 14 minutes faster than she did on this course last year, and who works year-round to help build and grow the local running community. And to Yao, who traveled all the way from Thailand and who had trained consistently and hard and PR'd on this tough course. To Amanda, whose grit and strength and total love of the Boston Marathon got her through to a fast finish for her 17th consecutive running of this event, and whose coaching and volunteering for the Boston Marathon help make it as incredible as it is, not to mention the other contributions she makes to the local running community. And to Patty, whose perseverance and wisdom are inspiring, and I mean that in the truest sense of that word. We are thrilled she kept her incredible streak going strong, and we are so excited to cheer her on next year when, at age 76, she will match the record of the most consecutive Boston marathons run by a woman in the history of the event. She's going in the record books, and that is super cool. As to my experience at this year's Boston Marathon... It was tough. I did not feel great on the day, and I didn't run as fast as I had hoped I would. And like I mentioned, it really hit me when I got into those hills, and I will fully admit I was starting to feel a little sorry for myself when I really started to have my doubts and just go into sort of a negative dark space. I refocused my perspective. I had promised myself that the A number one goal was to enjoy this event. And I reminded myself I was running the Boston Marathon. Sure, my body was feeling awful, and I was kind of bummed that I didn't feel as good as I had wanted to. But this was it. This was what I'd been waiting for for two years. And if I wasn't going to make it great, what was I doing out here? So I did some attitude adjusting, and I turned it around I ended my relatively short-lived pity party, I looked around, and I took in the incredible enthusiasm and support that was all around me, and I focused on absorbing that energy to help myself feel a little bit better. And you know what? It worked. I also took stock of the fact that I am super lucky to be able to run marathons at all, and especially in my 50s, and I enjoyed the heck out of every last mile. I even kind of laughed at the fact that I was in so much pain. I teared up under the sit-go sign, and right before I turned left onto Boylston Street, I said with encouraging glee to anybody within earshot, we're about to turn onto Boylston Street. This is awesome. And then we did, and it was awesome. And then, just a few strides later, there it was the finish. And that is it. That is a wrap on this Roads to Boston 2021 series. Well, almost. 
We do have one very special bonus episode in the works. We are telling the story of Bobby Gibb, the first woman to run the Boston Marathon and the first woman to win the Boston Marathon, which is something she did three times. And that was all before women were officially allowed to compete. Her story is incredible, and please come join us. I am so honored that she is going to be on this show. Of course, the one way you can make sure you don't miss it is to please subscribe. We've got that episode and other ones in the works that'll be coming up in the new year. And please tell a friend. Word of mouth is how our show grows, and we really thank you for sharing it. I also welcome you to visit our website, stridesforwardpodcast.com. On the page for this series, you can find some extra information and great photos of each of the runners. We're also active on Instagram and Twitter, and our handle for both those accounts is at Strides Forward. And, of course, thank you for listening. We love telling these stories, but we could not do it without you. We also could not have done this series without our incredible featured runners, A huge thank you to Patty, Amanda, Rochelle, Zara, Nicole, Jonna, and Yao. And also thank you to Maria, who did not make it to this year's Boston Marathon, but she was here early on in the series, and she will be running in 2022. We wish her great luck, and we are super excited for her to get to experience this incredible event. We also want to give a special thank you to the Boston Athletic Association for their help with this series, especially Chris Lotzbaum. And thank you to my pod prod crew for keeping me grounded and motivated. And thank you to the LSD running crew in Cork. The Strides Forward team includes me, Cherie Turner, your host and producer. Cormac O'Regan creates all the original music and does sound design. And he does that from his studio in Cork, Ireland. April Mariner of Bonfire Collaborative does all the design work for the show, including our social media, website, merch, and logo. She comes to you from Truckee, California, and you can find April at bonfirecollaborative.com. And this is Cherie wishing you many healthy, joyful strides forward. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.